This week's episode of Very Good Television Podcast is brought to you by Movies on Demand. The Oscars are finally over, and now that you've seen the statues handed out, it's time to catch up on the movies. Right now, with Movies on Demand, you can watch Room, Spotlight, and Steve Jobs. And starting tomorrow, you can check out Creed and The Danish Girl. All the year's most honored films, all from the comfort of your couch. Movies on Demand is the best place to watch all the Oscar winners and nominees, so don't miss out. Hello, and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon-Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday, Ben. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I mean, the world is just sunshine and rainbows, Liz. Everything is everything is awesome. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great. Just great. <laughs> stellar. 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 So, stellar Monday morning. Um I'm totally not completely exhausted after being up all night writing a review of the Oscars from last night. Uh, how are you doing? I mean, I didn't light my car on fire and roll it down the street when Sylvester Stallone lost the Oscar last night. So, yeah, I mean, it's great. But how, how, how close was that? I, well, I mean, it's pretty close. It, it hit the building at the end of the block, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just surprised the cops aren't here yet. But uh, Yes. Uh, I mean, it, it, the Oscars are always going to be full of heartbreaks and disappointments. And, you know, with the occasional bright spot, I was very excited to see Spotlight win. Um, yeah. I just kind of didn't want The Revenant to win. Yeah, I, I had a weird feeling when it happened where I was like, oh, this is, this is good because it's not The Revenant. That's, that's good. And then I was kind of like, well, actually, I think that might be this, my second least favorite of the nominees but hey i'll take it it's still a large step forward so. wow uh what would you have wanted to see win oh mad max for sure i was i was i mean since carol missed out on the nomination it was mad max all the time but uh but yeah did you have a favorite among the nominees i mean i was definitely leaning towards mad max uh for a lot of stuff uh gosh forget i had one or two i don't know it was, it was i i i feel because i did not have a horse in the race quite the way you did um, I do feel, I do feel like, cause you were so devoted to S Sylvester Stallone. It's the only thing that mattered. And I feel, we all felt really bad for you. It was like you lost. <laughs> it wasn't like, it wasn't like Sylvester Stallone lost. The world lost, Liz. I mean, there was no, no good spin about it, but I, I do feel like as a group, we really rallied around those two things. One, you know, we all were very, very sad and disheartened and the world is dark today because Stallone lost. But two, I mean, when Mad Max had that nice streak in the middle of the ceremony and all of those wonderful people ran up to the stage, I think we all kind of agreed that we just wanted Mad Max to sweep in order to see everyone involved with it take the stage in their awesome you know, tuxes and gowns and leather frickin' jackets. <laughs> yeah, uh, I myself was very excited to see, uh, uh, I forget her name, I think it's Margaret something, but the editor of, of Mad Max win, and, you know, when, especially when you hear her backstory and you talk, you know, which, where she was George Miller's wife, but she's, and she's never directed, an, it never edited an action movie before, she's only done documentaries and that's why that movie is so well edited because she really committed to making sure everything made sense. Yeah, she. I mean, of, of the many, many deserved awards that were being handed out last night, she was pretty high on the list. I was very happy to see it. And I don't, I don't know if I'm crediting the right person here. I'm pretty sure it was Dave Carger 
over at Fandango, but right before the editing was handed out, he said, if Mad Max wins this, then Spotlight has a good chance of winning Best Picture, and that's what ended up happening. Because uh, that would indicate that Spotlight, that, that Mad Max had cannibalized enough of The Revenant to give Spotlight its shot? Something like that, yeah. I mean, he didn't elaborate because it was Twitter, but I would assume it was either either that, you know, the, the cannibalization, or just, you know, the sign that there was, you know, support out there for, for other movies, or there wasn't as much support out there for The Revenant, so. Yeah. I mean, and that's all part of the fun of watching the Oscars these days, is this, like the second channel of commentary that you get via Twitter, via Facebook, and so forth and so on. And certainly, I think both you and I had fun. Uh, I don't... I think I, I don't normally tweet a ton, but I kind of got into it a little bit more this year than usual. Yeah, yeah. I um, I don't think I tweeted as much as I usually do, actually. But uh, I always keep track of it on there because it's so fun to see the fun facts, like the fun facts that pop up on Twitter and the observational humor that pops up on Twitter was a little bit better than like the little pop-ups that, that came up next to the presenters last night and obviously the rolling ticker. Um, which is just kind of there to to try to create more speeches. Uh, but I think that leads us into the general conversation that we wanted to have today. Since we're talking about TV and this is a TV event, we're trying to kind of figure out, you know, like everybody always has, where the debate always lies, you know, how do you actually improve the ceremony? How do you make the ceremony better every year uh, and keep drawing in, you know, viewership outside of just nominating the right films um, but, but Liz, you, you had a review of it. I, I'm very sad to say that, that my other duties, uh, kept me from reading it all the way through, but I'm pretty sure you were pretty positive about it. You liked the, uh, the ceremony overall. I liked it overall. Uh, I think, I believe my grade for it was a B plus. Uh, I think there were, there were comedy bits that worked for me. I, there were comedy bits that worked for me really well. Uh, I really was excited to see him bring, uh, see Chris Rock bring back, uh, a bit he did in 2005 where he goes to a, a, a black, a largely black, uh, patronage, pa- patronized, good Lord, um, patronized. That's also not a great word. Um, a, th- a theater in a traditionally black area of Los Angeles. Let's go with that. And he had talked to movie patrons there about, you know, what movies they cared about, what they were excited about. And it's a reminder that, you know, the Hollywood bubble, the, the Oscars bubble is not the be all and end all of film and television, if, if film these days. Yeah, and his, his uh, I feel like he had a couple of moments during the ceremony where he either, like, they were off camera or kind of like right at the end of one of his bits. And one of it was like at the very end of that when you saw him look at the cameraman and just kind of nod at the guy like, this one is a good one. And it was, I guess it was, because it was so good. And then when he was on stage and he walked on and, and gave the the uh, the cart or the crates to uh, the best short presenters, uh, Jacob Tremblay and um, the kid from Beast of No Nation, whose name I've suddenly forgotten. Abra Mata. Yeah, and as he was walking off, you just heard him kind of singing to himself something about being a grip, like, <laughs> huh, just a grip on a set, like walking off the, the stage of the Oscars. And I was like, this is delightful. So, yeah, I thought those bits worked really well. I loved his uh, insertion of, of black actors and, and people, actors, into the into the movies. Um, his Martian bit, where he actually got Jeff Daniels and Kristen Wiig to come back, worked tremendously well. Um, but, yeah, I, I, thought, uh, I thought it was a pretty good show, too. I really... I enjoyed it. I um, I'm very curious to kind of hear from Ann Thompson and and kind of the industry folk how the award ticker played to them, and if it did what it was supposed to do. Because I don't think it did what it was supposed to do for us, like the regular viewers at home. It didn't change the speeches that dramatically. No, so 
I mean, and I think that's just kind of a function of it's a new thing they're introducing this year and many people don't, that's not a rhythm they understand like yet because it's brand new. Like, well, sure, but I mean, will it stick around is kind of the thing. Like I, I the, a few of the people I watched with and a, a lot of the people I saw online really hated that ticker. Like they just didn't respond to it at all. They were confused. Uh, they didn't, they didn't understand why it was there. They felt it looked crowded. Um, so, I mean, it, that I, that's not obviously a, a, a statistically relevant sampling of people, but I'll be curious to see if they do, you know, stick with it long enough to make a change in the actual speeches. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see not liking it. Honestly, if I was a nominee, like being asked to present a list of names I'd want to thank, like I would get so freaked out by that. Like, because I, 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 would, I would feel like I was jinxing myself. I don't want to pretend like I would if I'm if in that, you know, I'm not. I'm never going to be nominated for an Academy Award. I don't think. But you don't you know, think it could happen. It could happen. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, best original short live action. I don't know. I could come up with something. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> but no, like I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about the jinxing, and and frankly, for me, it was just it's, you know, a lot of those thank yous. Sure, there's there's people that you'd want to get to that you aren't going to have time to get to on there, but you're still going to want to thank. You know your wife and your mom, and you know your dad, and and you know those those very important, like the director or the actor, like the very important people. So I feel like even just adding that ticker in, it might just be, it might just be an excuse to give them extra names, and I don't know if it's going to pay off enough to, you know, make any sort of difference. Let alone, you know, uh, allow like to let the audience allow it at home, like let them kind of be like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll just ignore that ticker at the bottom. So. Yeah, I mean, in general, though, like, I think speech-wise, it was kind of a lackluster night. I mean, I, if you, I, I think Brie Larson and Alicia Vikander both kind of disappointed me just in terms of, like, you know, reciting, like, the, the generic list of team members and co-stars did, didn't really get me at all. Um, I love I loved the uh, speech by the producers of Inside Out. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, talking about making things, but I think what we're trying to, you know, we're that I think the, the the question of like the ticker is a kind of a microcosm of a bigger issue, which is something I was sitting and looking at the clock, looking at my notes, trying to figure out how the hell was that show so long? Like, why? What? What was there that was padding? What was there that could have been cut? And I, I, I honestly can't. I couldn't come up with a great answer to that question last night. Like there were, there were definitely, there's definitely a lot more comedy than there have been, there has been in past shows. Uh, Chris Rock had a lot of pre-planned bits. I thought the Girl Scout cookie thing was fun, but it definitely was not a fast-paced moment of the show. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's like, where, did you notice any obvious drags or any obvious like spurts? Uh, not. I mean, I I did, but. In the defense of of the producers and and, and you know, pretty much everybody who set up this telecast, I actually thought that it was very well executed from a uh, logistical standpoint. And to me, and this this is very much subjective, um, but it felt like it was designed like they really assumed Stallone was going to win that Oscar and he would get that that trophy and give that speech at the point in the Oscars when it would where there was a lull, like Interesting. not. You know, I, I mean, they had it designed where, you know, normally the supporting actors or at least the actors, like those people are pretty early in the ceremony to try to kick things off. And they changed around and did the screenplay early. 
they saved him for that middle section where they also had kind of the you know the shorts and uh, you know like the documentaries you know some of the stuff that that people don't typically care about but he was injected right there in the middle and because you know so many people thought he was a lock and so many people were looking forward to seeing him on stage I feel like if that had happened then that would have kept things like that would have kept the pace as even as it had been all night and then they would have been had a pretty flawless ceremony it was I mean at that point in the night I was obviously just a, a wreck anyway but it was the only time right around there when I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is kind of moving maybe a little bit slow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's an interesting theory, but it speaks to, like, the difficulties of planning a show like this. Like, you, if you, unless you have the list of winners in front of you, and in theory they, they do not, uh, how, do you plan, how, how do you plan to make sure that a show has that, that kind of energy? Yeah, I mean that the, you they that's one of the things to me that you would they were hoping for from the ticker is that they wouldn't have to worry as much about making sure the right people won and and you know trying to structure it around the hope that you know the most charismatic talkative people end up on stage and that you know the speeches in general would just be better and more passionate so that even if it wasn't the right person people might still care. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this is the conversation we always have at the end of the Oscars. It's something as somebody who, you know, lo I love the Oscars. I, I wait all year for the Oscars. Um, I, I don't care how long it goes because usually I'm just sitting back and enjoying every second of it, um, no matter kind of how it breaks down. But, but yeah, I mean, I, they know what they needed to do. If they want to just please everybody at home, if they want to just make it a good TV show, you know, they would cut a lot of those smaller awards or those awards where people are like, I have no idea what this movie is. I've never heard of this. You know, the, the, the shorts, the docs, like even some of the technical stuff, they would just get it out of there because people wouldn't, you know, miss it. But the industry would and the Academy might lose some of its prestige. So that's why they're still in there. And I mean, it's just going to be a debate for a long period of time until the ratings reach such a, a bad point where they're forced to make a giant change. Well, we were talking, I, I forget what I was listening to, but the conversation came up of how important financially the, the Oscars are to the Academy. Like this is their big, basically their big you know, fundraiser for the entire year um, in some respects. And so like, yeah, it, anything that damages the prestige of it and affects its, affects the, the show's standing within the within the industry, yeah, that's a that's a major problem for them. Yeah, and I mean they they they're also, as you can see by who they chose to win last night, they want to be seen as a very prestigious, artful institution. And by cutting, you know, the the technical parts of it and and the people who really, you know, do a lot of the the hard work, that would lose a little bit of that factor and they would lose a little bit of their support. And that's something they can't really afford to do either. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're already heavily skewing towards actors, you know, in, in the Academy body. So they, they can't really afford to, to you know, make a, a giant change and slight even further the, the technical side of it. So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, sorry, I was just thinking about the fact that a, a woman won an Academy Award last night for designing a crazy, a crazy uh, cod piece made out of gears. Um, <laughs> that's a thing that happened last night, and it was great. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want the spontaneity of it. It, it, it. I feel like the the thing I really like about the Oscars is you never know like who's going to be like the really exciting, fun, hilarious win. 
um, or, oh, yeah. the, or the one who really moves you and touches you. Like, and, and the, a lot of times those do come from the technical categories. Oh, because- sure. And they, they do rely on those kind of surprises. And again, I, I feel like that's why they were trying to push for those kind of speeches to happen more, like the people who don't plan something and don't know who they have to thank when they show up on stage. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting contrast. And then to go to the other side of it, all the stuff you're talking about that Chris Rock did, all of those pre-planned bits, you know, this year they mostly worked. Like this year, it seemed to go over pretty well. Um, and there's, you know, there's always the years where the host just doesn't, it just flops. Like something doesn't work. And then the people are like, well, they should have just cut that. But it's hard to tell what's actually going to work and what's not. Obviously, if they knew ahead of time that it wasn't going to work, they went and included. Um, so I, I don't think you can really get rid of those comedic bits either because that's the stuff you're really going to remember about the ceremony itself. Like you're going to remember Leonardo DiCaprio one. You're going to remember that spotlight one. Maybe you'll remember one of those speeches, but otherwise you're going to be talking about Chris Rock's opening monologue and his, you know, comedic insertions in between then. And that, that's kind of what gives it its flavor. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I mean, I think the big thing that I'm just really excited about right now is that I think this is like the second or third year where they've managed to avoid the montage. And I remember there have been there. I, I, there are, I'm sure there. You, you, you can recall these as well. Like there were cere- there used to be used to be the ceremony would have at least like four or five montages of just like here was the year in action and here was the yeah. year in comedy. Yeah. And my gold standard for complete waste of my time. Uh, as a viewer uh, during the Academy Awards uh, is probably, the gold standard is probably in 1999 when Val Kilmer rode out on a horse, led a horse, he wasn't riding the horse, but he led a horse onto stage uh, to talk about the great tradition of the Western. Remember, this is 1999. We hadn't made a decent Western in like five years. Yeah, when did Tombstone come out? That was like probably- 92. Um, 92, and I think Unforgiven was around the same time. Yeah, Unforgiven, I think, was 91 even. So Yeah, so... Yeah, good point. Point is, we did not need Val Kilmer to come out with a horse and tell us about the great tradition of the, America, the American Western. Um, right. yeah. that, was, that was five minutes that we could have used elsewhere. Yeah, and honestly, if you, I mean, if you look at last night's, they had the montage to open things up, which was just about, you know, the film year in general. And it right. was a fine way to open it up. You could have cut it, and it would have saved you, you know, two minutes or something. Um the one thing that I don't want them to cut, which I feel like a lot of, well, maybe not a lot of people, I feel like there's at least a little bit of disagreement over it. I don't want them to cut the clips. When they introduce the people, you know, at, at the nominees, and then they show the clips, oh, okay. I love the clips. I, I, I mean, I get real, they've cut them before in, in years past, and it's always for time, and I'm always very upset. I want to see, you know, those people, and I, I like the idea of them having you know, their moment where you're actually appreciating the craft in the middle of the ceremony where you're honoring that craft. And you are honoring everyone there, including the nominees, not just the winners. So I do really like seeing the clips. And, you know, I may be alone in that, especially among people who make sure they watch all of the movies, you know, before the night of the ceremony. But as part of the broadcast, I really do enjoy it. You know, it's funny. Uh, I would say that I, I don't disagree with you there. I like a clip. I like the clips but during during the nominee announcements. I'm starting to get less and less, I guess, invested or excited about the um, here. Here, here is a montage from each of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture. Like for some reason, yeah, that that I'm not too crazy about either. Usually they're too short and they don't capture a whole lot of things that aren't in the trailers. So yeah, 
And actually, it's it's funny. Like one thing, I think I think one element of the show that when it's done well is always a really important thing is the is having having the uh, you know singing of the best original songs. Um, yeah. And that last night, I think actually was you know, admittedly the wrong song won. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, especially after watching the performances live, it was just, and I actually joked to, to my to my friends who I was watching it with, I was like, after Lady Gaga's performance and she was expected to win, I was like, oh man, it would look terrible if she lost, and then she did. Yeah. Diane Warren, I mean, I don't know what Diane Warren did to spite an angry god, but it's yeah. very sad. But the thing about it is just like, the, at least, I, it's... You can't really appreciate a performance from like a you know thirty second clip of someone yelling at someone else on screen, but you know the best original songs get have probably the best opportunity to be showcased um, in a in this format, and so it's one of the few times when you really get to dig in and appreciate a bit of the art that goes into filmmaking. And the only real problem with that theory is that they do nominate some really awful songs. <clears throat> that it's, is true. It is rare when you have like two even even two really good nominees for original yeah. song in a year like it disney yeah. doesn't pump them out like they used to and and i mean it's just not something that is easily you know qualified for um so yeah i i mean it's one of those things where they've also tr toyed around with a lot in you know well we're not going to have any of them okay we're going to have all of them okay we're going to have some of them but we don't we're going to you know discriminate very carefully in who is actually going to perform um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing. Yeah. But that being said, like, I mean, easily the highlight of last year's show was, uh, the Lonely Island performing. Everything is awesome. Um, I don't think anyone who was watching will forget Robin Williams singing Blame Canada, uh, from the South Park movie. Very true. Uh, next year's going to be nice because, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is probably going to get his, uh, get, get one step closer to egotting. Uh, I think he actually, I think it might be all he needs to EGOT. Wait, what is he going to get nominated for? Uh, he wrote some original songs for Moana, uh, the upcoming Disney film. Ah, okay. So nice. he'll probably at least get nominated for that and probably also will win. <laughs> well, we'll see. Whenever we, whenever I make an assumption over someone getting nominated for an Oscar, they never get nominated. I'm just like, wait, what happened? I don't understand. And then they explained to me some really weird technical rule where he was, you know, eliminated. But oh god, anyway. yeah, the, yeah. The the rules about best original song are fascinating. Um, yeah, like, and score too. Yeah, well, I, I heard. Uh, you know how they, the way that uh, people on people voting for nominations, uh, the way they evaluate all the songs is they get sent a DVD, and that DVD is just like. 71 scenes from random from these movies uh with the song over them so it's why uh it's why uh with uh the closing like if, if you use your closing credit song it's actually kind of a terrible move because all all, all, the, all the viewers are going to see is uh all, all the all the viewers watching at home on their dvds are going to see is the credit scroll with your song playing i thought they eliminated those i thought they said that the song had to be a part of like at it least has to be, has to be the first. It has to be the first song in the closing credits. It can't be the second. Oh, they changed it now. I mean, I, I remember specifically, like when Springsteen was up for the Wrestler, they were talking about that and how it like starts with the black screen for a few seconds before it fades into the credits. So technically, he was 
you know, eligible because it wasn't just in the credits or something. I, I don't know. I, I remember hearing yeah, that. I, I, yeah, I, haven't been, I haven't been honing it. So maybe, I, maybe I got some outdated information. Um, it's hard to keep up with this kind of stuff, but, it uh, is. but no, like, I mean, to your point about, about, you know, like really what can be standout moments of the ceremony yeah, like, like Lady Gaga's performance was a huge one. And that's yeah. something that a lot of people remember as well. So, you know, you do have an opportunity with those songs to really do something with them. And at the same time, you know, when, when producers, you know, get the, get their list of nominations and they're looking, you know, at the ceremony and they're like, okay, so what can I do to make sure that this runs on time? Um, that's one of the things that's always going to be considered as long as they keep nominating some, you know, questionable songs like the winner last night. Yes. Oh, wasn't it a treat to get to listen to that all over again? I don't know how that happened. I can't wait to hear the analysis on how that happened. Like how he won. I just, oh, good Lord. Yeah. Um, but I, I do, I do think that like the biggest thing when it comes to the Oscars is it's an opportunity to honor the best and the best in film. But Anytime the ceremony loses sight of the fact that it is a show for not just for the people in that room, but for the, for the audience, for the masses, that's when things go off the rails. Yeah, I'd add, a, I'd add a caveat to it in the sense that as long as they do keep, you know, keep announcing all of the categories that they're going to announce, as long as they keep, you know, infusing a host in there who's, who's going to, you know, try to move things along at the, at the right pace, I... I do feel like as a viewer, if you're going to complain about time, then it ha you have to have very specific examples of, of what took them over time. Um, otherwise, you need to expect to be sitting there for three or three and a half hours. Like, that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, like, like, you know, what your discussion was earlier where it's like, you know, I, I felt like it dragged a little bit. I felt like it was long, but I don't know exactly what I would cut. It's like, okay, yeah, I mean, you're going to feel that way, but at the same time, you just got to accept it and be like, okay, it's the Oscars. This is this is what you do. That's why you have parties. That's why you have friends. That's why you have an Oscar pool where you're trying to, you know, keep track of who's winning. Um, there, there's It's an event, so you kind of got to buy into it as such. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I, think, I think the thing that really, when I say it, it dragged, what really stuck out to me, for, just to clarify... So I was, you know, I was running our Oscar, our IndieWire office pool. Uh, by the way, congrats to, to Ben T. Travers here for uh, winning for the second year in a row. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I'd trade it in right now for, for another person to win something else. Aw. Well, also, you probably would have still won if he'd won because, uh, you know, he was the favorite in that category. Nobody actually, yeah. nobody had Mark Rylance down, actually. That was a complete shock. It would have been a ballsy move. Like every once in a while, with those kind of thing, with the Oscar pools uh, on a, on a yeah, brief tangent, people will go extreme like that. But usually, they go extreme like that in like three or four things. So you have to be really like surgical in your choices if you're going to go go that big. But anyway. yeah, well, it's like I mean, looking at the stats last night, I was like, there's even before Best Picture, you were going to win because every you know. No, you know, even if you would pick the Revenant to win Best Picture, but even if the Revenant had won, even if the Revenant lost, but in Spotlight won, nobody who had picked Spotlight had enough points to beat you. So that's so sorry that this is not necessarily exciting. Uh, inside inside but, but, information but, about IndieWire, guys. Yeah, yeah, but the point is, is that uh, the point I want to make was so I was tracking the awards really carefully. Uh, because I was trying to keep up, keep our spreadsheet updated, and there were four awards announced in the first forty minutes, 
and then another five in like five minutes. They blasted through those technical awards, but after only after like 40 minutes of a lot of setup, a lot of so on and so forth, and only four awards being announced. Yeah. No, it's it's a fair point, and it's it's that's something that's definitely a conscious decision, you know, about about the the pacing and about where they want to get to and and the moments they want to hit. So you know, that's that's something that you know is up to the producers, and uh, definitely will be you know rejiggered for years, you know, every year. So the point is, we really like it, the Oscars remain still really fun to watch, even when they last three and a half hours. Yeah, if you give me a good host. And you give me, you know, an interesting race or, you know, a guaranteed, you know, good speech, then, you know, I'm as a viewer, I think I'd be more than fine. And, you know, for me, I'm always going to be watching. So you've got you, they, they're going to have their hooks in. There's always going to be a large group of people watching the Oscars. If we're just talking about honing it or if they ever reach the point where they have to make big changes, then, you know, they know what they have to do. Um, it's just, you know, whether or not they're willing to make the sacrifice. Yep. In the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit because there's actually a lot of good TV coming out this week, and I want to touch on on two in particular. Um, Bosch is a show that that airs on Amazon, and it's it's uh, very well known among people who who like Michael Connelly. And I'm not, and I feel like it was it was a hugely watched show. It was their top watched show before The Man in High Castle came out. Um, but on Amazon. Uh, on Amazon, of course, and um, it's actually—I mean—it's very good. It's very well made. Um, anybody who likes cop shows, uh, anybody who wants to see some some realistic presentations of LA and and specific areas in LA, uh, shot with just some really beautiful cinematography. It's a very uh, easy show that to go down and to enjoy. They kind of do it where it's like a book every year so you don't have to know everything that came before to kind of jump in and get to the next one and I've only seen the pilot I saw it a long time ago uh, before the TCAs but you know I really enjoy or not the pilot but the, the first episode of season two um, but I really enjoyed it it's it's it seems like they're right on track to, to build up another good season so uh, so I'm excited for that it, it premieres on Friday uh, on Amazon so everybody you know tune in what was the other thing you wanted to mention uh, well, that'll be my next thing, which I haven't seen yet. So oh, okay. in order to keep with things, Liz, why don't, why don't you tell us what the best thing was that you saw last week? Well, it wasn't the X-Files finale. No. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. happened. It did. Let's, let's not dwell on that. That would be a whole other podcast. Ben. 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 How many minutes of screen time did Julian Anderson and David Duchovny have together in the finale? Like a half Maybe half a minute, half yeah. a minute. I should time it. I should time the exact amount. Just you called so I know. It. Just so I know. You um, called it early. Uh, we should have all been warned. The, uh, we could. There was no stopping it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, sorry. Um, I wanted. It, it's worth. I'm just going to shout out for American Crime Story uh, because that show is still cooking with gas, and yeah. I'm. I'm pretty excited to be. I, I'm I, doing our episode reviews means instead of binge watching the whole thing. Uh, the way I did back in January, I am now instead, you know, calmly watching uh, an episode a week, and it's still really good. It's still really gripping. It's interesting to see what details are popping out. I've been having a lot of fun trying to tr- trying to track down random uh, random elements. Like uh, last week, we got to I, I, I got to dig into Faye Resnick's uh, Amazon listing for her book that uh, we see get, <laughs> we see quote unquote get written in right. uh, in, in last week's episode. And lots of fun stuff to be found in that. And I, 
it's going to be interesting to loop back and figure out how how high how how really prestige the show is, and whether or not it's it, it dabbles a little too much in camp and pulp. But we'll see. Yeah, I I mean it's one that if when if I have time again, you know, where I'm not watching a billion other shows, I'm I'm very eager to go back and explore. Um, I think you you being able to watch them weekly is fantastic after you know binging it because it, it felt like one like it was something that I wanted to keep watching as I you know had all those episodes available to me but uh, but yeah I think it I think it can stand alone as well and and I expect it to be nothing but heralded you know by season's end big Emmys player so yeah mm-hmm. good show yeah what's the next thing you're looking forward to then. Okay, the next thing I'm looking forward to, uh, everybody might just think I'm crazy. I, I, I feel like I feel like House of Cards has a bad. <laughs> yes, yes, it does, Ben. And I don't think it's justified. I honestly believe that the first two seasons were as great as everybody said they were, and I, I feel like there's a little bit of rewriting of history going on where some people are trying to say that season two saw a bit of a dip, and um, I, I just don't think it was there. And as far as season three goes, it wasn't, I mean, it was messy. Um, it wasn't as an enjoyable of a binge as, you know, a, a lot of people had hoped. But it was far from from bad or terrible television. It was still incredibly well acted. It's beautiful. The the, the Stamper storyline was fascinating to follow, even if it wasn't, you know, maybe, maybe it could have been cut down a little bit. Um, they introduced some really great characters. So it's not something that I'd be pushing for, you know, for the for the for the, the awards or you know, it's not on, it wasn't on our top ten list, you know, obviously, but it's it's not something that anybody should be writing off. You know, everyone should still be very excited to see what happens in season four, especially considering now that this is uh, Bo Willimon's last season on the show. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I I'm very excited to see what happens with with season four when it premieres on Friday as well. Um, and I, I just kind of wanted to get those thoughts out there because I've, I've heard a lot of people when I bring it up have such a negative reaction to it after I knew they were in love with the first two seasons. Um, I, I'm just a little surprised at how tarnished it feels after season three. I mean, I think it took a real hit. There's a night I honestly, I'm shocked to hear you say that because you, because when you you went episode by episode through the season last year, and you were by the end of it, you were handing out C pluses like nobody's business. Yeah, well, I mean, I yeah, it, it's definitely it's got some spotty decisions. Um, it, it had a couple episodes that really didn't work, and there was some you know where they tried to connect and justify some of the actions that the characters made that didn't come full cir- circle for me. But you know, the effort is still very much there, and I feel like just because a, a show has a slight dip, not like a, a catastrophic switch, and they didn't do anything that they can't fix either. Like, I mean, one of the big issues that a lot of people had with season three was the fact that they didn't finish the election. Like, they started off like this was going to, you know, be the election year, and they kind of got a third of the way through it or something. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that they can explore, and they've set themselves up to be able to do that if they can get back to you know, the, the, the focused writing of the first two seasons. So I, I don't know. I'm excited. Maybe I'm setting myself up for disappointment again. But, um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to have some fun with it. I mean, I, I just have a, I, I, I miss the crazy sex stuff, and I want that back. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like with some of the casting that that's, that's uh, inevitable. I think, I think you'll be satisfied, Liz. But, uh, Will I? 
Oh. Well, maybe we'll see. We'll but, see. Uh, uh, tell us, tell us something. Save me and tell us something to, that people will actually be excited to look forward to and not, you know, dismiss outrightly. Uh, well, uh, tomorrow I'm going to a screening of uh, the first two episodes of uh, Last Man on Earth season uh, mid-season uh, return. And nice. uh, I've seen one of them already, and it was great. Uh, and especially, and not just because Jacob Tremblay uh, guest has a guest starring appearance in it, but because in general, it's just you know that show continues to take real chances. That show continues to really dig into the world. Actually, that's that's a huge element of what I've seen so far. Is that we really like they're trying to really reveal more about what happened, reveal more about the, the backstory of these characters and this universe. And, uh, you know, it's not a show that ever, like, is questing for answers, but it does find some, uh, actually reveal some uh, coming up. And that's going to be, I think everyone's going to be intrigued by that. I think that's a great pick. Honestly, that was probably right next to my list. And uh, you, you put it very well. They, they ended, you know, their mid-season finale was something that I never expected from that show and it fit really well and it made me very eager to see what was going to come next. Obviously it you know, was a big cliffhanger, a couple yeah. of cliffhangers really, um, which I, which were spoiled by the way in a sneak peek thing on entertainment weekly. Like they had these first photos from, you know, the premiere and it was like, well, that tells me exactly what's going to happen. Why did you do that? Why would you spoil it? But Anyway, um, yeah, that's a great pick. I, I can't wait to see that one. And honestly, why didn't Fox buy some airtime during the Oscars to say, hey, you like that cute kid who's popping up everywhere and everyone's in love with? You should come watch this show. He's going to be on this show, and then you'll stick with the show. Yeah, I mean, having seen his appearance, it's, uh, I can understand why uh, Fox didn't decide to broadcast out the spoilers. They just left them, I guess, for EW readers. Uh, but no, it's definitely true. Um, the thing is... We'll be talking about all this stuff and more on IndieWire.com, where you can also find reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like to read about, about your favorite shows and your less favorite shows. But you want to, you want to be, you need to be told to be, stay away from Fuller House. You need someone <laughs> to take that bullet for you. That person was Ben Travers. And it may, we, he, I don't know, I, he, first, I, I think he came back a little different. Yeah, I feel like I mean I feel like I've taken a few bullets this weekend, and I I've got to I don't know go to a spa or something and recover. But um, maybe in doing that, I will I can I can gain a little bit of my strength by by listening to our other great IndieWire podcasts like IndieWire Screen Talk. Uh, Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn were both at the Oscars last night, so they're going to have some great stories. They went to all the parties and stuff afterwards as well. So they're going to be, you know, just you know, knocking some stuff down, and then you know we're getting back into a really good season of independent film uh, with with you know uh, we Sundance is already over. We got South by Southwest coming up. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about, you know, during the spring season. And the best place to do that is go to IndieWire Influencers. Our own Dana Harris will have uh, some fantastic guests with some fantastic insights. Um, so make sure you don't miss either one of those podcasts. Yep, and you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet with an I and an E. That's correct. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television. Mm -hmm.